Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. Dr. Oleg Konovalov is a thought leader, author, business educator, and consultant with more than 25 years of experience operating businesses and consulting Fortune 500 companies, both in the UK and internationally. He is on the Thinkers 50 radar for 2019 and has been recognized as the number one global thought leader on, on culture by Thinkers 360. He's a prolific author and writer. He's the author of Corporate Superpower from 2018, Organizational Anatomy, Hidden Russia, and his latest book that we're going to be exploring, Leaderology, came out last year and was named by Forbes as one of the top 20 must-reads. And Oleg, I know you have another book in the works. We'll talk about that toward <laughs> the end of our conversation. But the work that Oleg does, his research identifies entrepreneurs and managers' strategic needs in the areas of corporate culture, leadership, and he uses corporate diagnostics in order to help them to drive their companies to success. He received his doctoral degree from Durham University Business School, is a visiting lecturer at a number of business schools and a Forbes contributor, and is high in demand as both a speaker at major conferences around the world. So, Oleg, welcome. I'm looking forward to our conversation. <laughs> Thank you, Morak, because great introduction, but it all sounds as if I'm not very human. You know? <laughs> you know, when we're saying, okay, the guy spent 25 years or more in a, you know, really yeah, company's yeah. great. You know, but I spent a few years on, on the trollers, on the deep sea trollers, catching fish in the rough seas. You know, this is also awesome experience. You know, we usually tend to skip it, but probably I got the best lessons about myself, about nature, about it teamwork on the trollers. Well, it's literally life and death. And I was going to say a little bit more of an earthy leadership style, but obviously you're out on the sea, so less earth and more, uh, as you say, all hands on deck. Exactly. And I still use these words when I need, you know, my friends to help me with something. I'm just guys, I need all hands on deck. Because think, this is one of the 10 deadliest professions in the world. You probably uh -huh. see it on the Discovery Channel. It's quite rough. Yeah. You know, and it must be realistic. Your communication must be clear, timely, and really, really precise. And, you know, it's not about talk, being a talking head. It's about being sharp. It's a lot of responsibility because everyone wants to get back home in one piece. Right? We all depend on what we will catch. So we're getting shares. We're not getting salaries. So mm -hmm. it's a teamwork. The more I support others, then others support me more, and we will get more. So it's a brilliant experience, you know. And in terms of COVID, how remote you will feel, isolated you will feel yourself somewhere in the middle of the ocean when, yeah. people, when people just sitting at home saying, yeah, I'm struggling because we are on lockdown. Come on, go yeah, with me. I'm a small trawler. <laughs> yeah. I am a sailor, Oleg, though I'm between boats right now. Um, right. Many happy memories of sailing the North Sea, etc. But I was reading about current captains who were between land and port when the COVID shutdown happened and are now struggling to actually berth anywhere, even oh. though they have been in isolation in order to restock. But hopefully that's really um, relaxing a little bit. Oh, but, yeah. So, trawler. 
I'm going to take you back to the origin story. Before we get into your current work on leadership and culture, let's talk about your origin story. So when you were nine or ten, what did you want to be when you grew up? What did you think you would be doing as an adult? Being at sea. I was dreaming about being at sea, but on some kind of exploring boats, you know, because they're still, you know, some kind of a scientific boats. I was still very keen to go through a storm. Actually, I faced it, you know, Gale 11, so great experience. Uh, but I was, my all of my thoughts was about exploring something, and it's the only way I saw it those days was being on board of a ship. And I did, actually, but then I went to work in an office. (laughs) So what was the pivot point then that moved you from being an intrepid explorer of the ocean to an intrepid explorer of visionary leadership? You know, when you see you have a lot of time to be on your own, so self-reflection is there. You know, it's a second nature because when you think what you could do, what you can explore, and you're thinking, I must do something on a on a much greater scale rather than doing a routine work on board. And by that time, I already have management degree, and I decided to go. I'll try myself in the office, and it went quite well. Actually, uh, I end up being a CEO of, a com- of two companies, one in the UK, one in Russia, and plus managing businesses in Scandinavia. And it's well, really well, actually. And uh, my projects were highlighted in the Times, in the Fishing News International, you know, in different newspapers. So but uh, at the age of about 37, I decided to go back to school again. So I went again for diploma, for master's degree, then for doctoral degree. And I probably was only a person in the fishing industry those days who got a doctoral degree in management. Because it's an industry where your experiences, you know, people consider is more important. But I realized at a certain point that how little we know and how much I want to learn. So it was a curiosity. It was a matter to explore something beyond my immediate understanding. It's probably over the years, a number of questions piled up, and I decided to find an answer for them. (laughs) So it was a journey. It was the search for the answers. And it's interesting because I read a quote from you, and it's on your website, but it talks about culture is the soul of an organization, and whoever controls the soul controls the body. And that seemed to me very profound because many of the clients and organizations that I work with have a hard time describing culture. It is, for them, intangible and nebulous. So how do you describe culture? Tell me more about the fact that it's the soul of the organization. First of all, I look at culture as an energy. In the energy of organization, which consists of all the efforts, talents, competences of all people working in organization, and that energy directed to achieving one organizational goal. So it's a psychological energy, right, of all people united together. From another hand, it's how people would smile at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, because if they're really satisfied, regardless how tough the day was, that means everything all right with them. So it's like being in a mother's house. You know, you bring everything. You take care of yourself. And the culture is actually a leadership and a vision. It's everything. It's not about me or you. It's about what we do for others. And we, when we really support each other, when we really care of each other, it grows in, uh, incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. It's like in a hu- uh, with a human. If you're not taking care of your soul, you become a rude person. No. And you become a weak person. But if you take care of yourself, if you take care of your mind, if your thoughts and feelings, you become exceptionally strong. So it's not even a matter of physical power, it's a matter of your psychological power. And that is where culture comes in. You know, but if you would, you wouldn't be controlling this. If you wouldn't be cultivating that mode of being strong, you lost. You lost because everyone would go into their own direction. Okay. So for, for people listening, how where would I start in knowing whether or not we have a weak culture or a strong culture, a healthy culture or an unhealthy culture within the organizational team that I'm part of? I would address it in a simple way. Culture reflects leadership. If you firm on, on, on your leadership that you are leading people to success, you surely won't understand that your culture have, uh, has a goal. Mm-hmm. And that's a goal for everyone to be achieved and benefit from it. But if you're thinking about leadership as only a position, then you're thinking that everyone should work to benefit you. Okay, that's you become a hostage of a dark kingdom. So in this sense, I don't don't think you want to be on board or exiled in this sense. But the problem is that more than 50% of modern organizations have negative or fragmented culture. And actually, not many could say, yes, we have really strong culture. And this is a fight that we need to go through. Mm -hmm. Because culture is an achievement. It's not something given. You know, this is something we create. So start with clear understanding. Who will benefit of it? Internally and externally, I assume. Of course. Yes. Of course. So um, in terms of the current era, and I'm not just talking 2020 here, but certainly the 21st century where we're in the digital era, and certainly 2020, we're doing the distributed work from home environment. So what are you seeing in terms of how that is impacting organizational cultures and how we go about building that sense of team? If I would say very nicely and quietly, we should be, we are blessed in this sense because the lockdown showed us that it is not a matter of nice job descriptions. It's about culture which enhances a strong interdependency of roles of people. So a job description that we all used to work 
uh, by following certain points or bullet points in our job descriptions would not get us together. This is about culture where we, even being remote from each other, we still feel some kind of an obligation to support others. And this is a very, very interesting moment which we are facing now because it proves that without culture, organization would not survive. I'm mm -hmm. talking about strong culture. It would become not just fragmented, it would become just separate drops that will be dried under the sun completely. And here is a blessing in this sense. Okay, so let's let's talk about your latest book, Leaderology. As I said in the introduction, Forbes named it one of the top twenty yeah. must-reads of the year. Yeah. So, what was the inspiration behind this book? And if I pick it up, or if our leaders start to pick it up, I've obviously read some of it. What what are they going to discover? I've always been looking at leadership not as a function. Because it's not HR, it's not about operations, it's not about sales. It's a system of leading people in, for the benefits of them. And it's about serving people. And I brought in an initial idea was started with a simple thing. I decided to write a letter to myself when I was 30, you know, just like to yeah. understand what kind of mistakes I did, what things I have faced, and how do I look at them now, and you could assume very, very differently. So I wrote this letter, and this came up as an introduction to that book, because mm -hmm. starting from this, I said, okay, here are the 10 main mistakes that we drag from the past and we're paying more and more. So we must look at leadership as a system which is completely a renaissance of leadership instead of dragging all mistakes from the past into the future. And so we must look at organizations and they're very differently. They're not uniform. They're all different. So I looked at archetypes of organizations, which I did before in organizational anatomy, but here I came up with very practical solutions and the structured classification of diseases. So you must look at organizations as something, not just a piece of paper or certificate of of incorporation, but real entity that serves people, customers, and so, and it serves employees. I looked at customers, why it is so important to serve them. Is it our obligation? Is it our promise? Or is it we penalized by, you know, chasing customers? You know, grabbing those leads or, you know, just like saying, oh, yeah, yeah, please, please, please. No. So, of course, we must look at a culture, but a culture not just very interestingly, because we often talk about care, but culture stands on, on care for people because a company have only one currency for people, care, okay. which goes beyond salary or wages. Because if I know how to care for people, people will be engaged. 
Otherwise, it's an empty noise where I'm saying, yeah, you should work better. And they're saying, yeah, you should pay better. So it's more or less never-ending story. But I'm like, this is what I could pay, and this is how I will take care of you. And that works. And so I brought quite a number of recipes in this sense. And of course, I've been looking and I started in literology. I brought for the first time in the world, I brought a clear six criteria of a strong leadership vision, which is stimulus, scale, scanning, spotlight, simplicity, and excitement and passion. Because we, without vision, we are blind. As I say, we're living in a time of leadership blindness because only 0.1% of modern leaders have vision. So they don't know where they lead people. Uh, but vision is not illusion. It's very functional. It's very rational. It's achievable. And so pe people judge vision on terms how their expectations are fulfilled. And so it must have clear functions, which we could, as some kind of a matrix of it. Yeah. So, so and I wrap it up as a system. So anyone could log in into any shop, they get practical advices how to run their business right now. So tell me about that system then. What are the steps involved? What are some of the secrets I'm going to discover that will help me to elevate my team and business? First of all, you would understand what kind of organization you are in, right? Whether you are a producer or knowledge-dependent or location-dependent company or donor-dependent company or state-affiliated company, right? Then you, based on this, you should clearly understand what kind of customers uh, or what way of customer service I could offer them, what kind of a culture I should build or emphasize and so what kind of a leadership mode is most appropriate regardless of the basic or foundational things like vision, qualities, experience, you know, all of these things to serve it. And so it's wrapped together. Mm -hmm. This is what I what was in the last book. Okay. So you talk about 14 common problems and diseases that can yes. affect a culture. What are the two of the most prevalent that you see? I'm not sure all 14 are important, but which are the two that you see most often with the leaders and organizations that you work with? Immediate one, resource blindness. Like people get color blinded, they don't see colors, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, about 95, what I have found, and I was shocked at the stage of research phase, about 95% of the top leaders from the different countries can't identify the most valuable or critical resources. So we are spending money in the companies on something which doesn't bring any value, any good return. So we're just wasting funds. Mm -hmm. uh, it's fairly typical. Another thing, cross it's called cross syndrome, like in a human body, when you bend it. Because, for instance, if your chest muscles are really tense and your back muscles are slack. And in this sense, for instance, marketing department is fairly relaxed. Uh, but the salespeople under the pressure and panic because marketing people said, no, we've done everything. 
and so a mutual blame. So, in fact, it comes up as both departments are non-efficient because one is not doing what is supposed to be done, and another is overloaded, so not doing the things precisely. This is at least most common. You know, and so quite often you could see them. So I'm uh, bringing a recipes how to diagnose those problems or diseases and how to treat them. And this one. And those previous books, they allowed me to look at uh, my latest book, which Division Code, okay. which would which would come up with Wiley in January. I, I managed to demystify the code of vision because we usually talk about vision as some kind of a mystical stuff, as a gift. So I managed to demystify it and came up with, uh, with a clear model how to create vision, why it comes and how it comes, how to grow as a visionary leader, how to check its functionality, uh, how to execute it, and so, of course, how to revitalize it. So it's a very practical model. More or less, uh, this came up as a result of some very interesting question I asked myself. How I could find the golden ratio of vision? Okay, interesting. I've heard of that phrase in terms of architecture and so forth, but not yeah. when it comes to leadership. So did you discover the golden ratio for uh, leadership? I'm still in the search of it, but I think I, I'm just almost there. But I, but you need to find a book because I believe the answer is there. But okay. I, don't, I, I want to leave a little bit of intrigue. Okay, but, well, I'm looking forward to seeing an advanced copy and maybe we can come back for another conversation about the vision code as you get closer to publication in January 2021. I'm sure it's going to be another page turner, <laughs> much like meteorology was. Oh, so, well, Marshall Goldsmith named me the Da Vinci of Visionary Leadership, and I already got endorsements from World Economic Forum, from top experts, people love it, and actually already running a course of visionary leadership, and even people who thought they have vision came out of the course completely, like, revitalized, refined, as it Revitalized. Yeah. So how do we get to learn more about the course then? If that's available to wet our whistle in advance of the publication of the book, how are you? How and where do we find out more about the course? Oh, it's uh, it's on my website, olekkonavalov.com. Uh, the only thing you need, you know, actually, if we talk about culture or leadership or vision, we need two things: a clear understanding. Why do we need this? Uh, otherwise, we would not fight for it if we wouldn't value it. And a firm decision to have it. Okay. If you don't have this decision, no money could save you. <laughs> I love that. And this is one of the reasons I do what I do. Again, you can have the best idea in the world, but without the vision and the alignment with the people who are going to make that become a reality, it's not going to work. And interesting, earlier on you were talking about wanting to be a sea explorer, your time on the trawlers and the fact that you had curiosity around leadership that pivoted you to go on and do your doctorate and now specialize in culture. 
And so I'm curious, as you look back, what is the, the biggest leadership lesson that you personally have taken so far? Because I realize it's a journey. But what's the, the one leadership lesson that you have carried forward most recently? Never assume that you are a leader. This is for people to decide. Before saying that I am a leader, be fair, evaluating what people achieved under your leadership. And even stepping into a new role, or going higher, you used to be a leader for the previous cases. Learn to be a leader again, because you have more responsibility, if more people under your command or leadership. So, learn to be a leader again. Okay, thank you for sharing. And again, 30 lessons that you've learned about leadership are within leaderology. I encourage people to spend some time with that chapter. But as we come to the end of our time today, um, Oleg, I'm curious, 2020 has been the ultimate leadership crucible. It's tested leadership skills, it's tested organizational cultures as we have had to adapt and adapt almost daily to new information. So as you think about 2020 and the journey forward, what do you hope that the collective we take away from this experience? Social distancing is not social disconnectedness. So we still, or even depend on each other, even more than, uh, more than ever before. That's a great lesson. Uh, another thing is, if we support each other, we could stand whatever the challenge. And it was a good chance to evaluate what is needed and what is not needed. You know, uh, I hardly drove a car, a car over those days. So do I need a so fancy car? No. You know, so more or less what we learned, it's more important to have a chat. Actually, another problem with modern leaders, how often do they talk with own people? Not much. So it's a, uh, it's a good lesson for many, talk and listen. Talk to own people, get really involved. That's, I believe it would be quite critical for many people to realize. And I believe if it would be improved, the world would be better. Okay, I'll ask a follow-on question then. As you may be aware, relationships and the human side of business uh, are topics close to my heart. So you yes. said earlier, social distancing does not mean social disconnectedness. Of course not. One thing that you are doing to nurture and maintain a sense of connectedness with the people who are important to you. We could spend as much as needed time and energy with people because it's not being a time machine, you know, just like clock, you know, just like, hey, hey you have 13 seconds to go because at the moment might be somebody really suffering or screaming for help. Listen to people. Uh, 
it's all about positivity because we are very good at sending negative messages. Mm. We're in trouble. <gasps> we should do something. No. Positivity supports people. Negativity doesn't. And when you're bringing those things together, it makes a better sense. Powerful combination. Well, Oleg, thank you for your insights today. I really appreciate it. I look forward to the release of the Vision Code in January 2021 and encourage everybody who's listening to read Leaderology and, of course, your other books too. Are there final words? What's one final thought that you would like listeners to take away from our conversation? Never stop being an explorer. That's so incredibly great. Uh -huh. you, know, you learn about people, that's incredibly interesting. Look at the nature, it's incredibly interesting. You know, don't be drawn into your gadgets. Free your mind for things that's so beautiful around you. I love that, thank you. So how can people get in touch with you and find out more? Uh, LinkedIn, I'm regular on LinkedIn. Uh, my website, olekanavalov.com. Uh, they could subscribe to my newsletter. They could contact me through the contact form. I'm happy to chat, happy to help, where I can, of course. Uh, you know, and uh, I'm not good at skydiving. No, no. Okay, so not skydiving, <laughs> but other things, absolutely. I appreciate it. I'll make sure that all your contact information and the book information is in the show notes below. So please, listeners, do share your comments and thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.